0: All right, now, if you would open your Bibles with me to Psalm 54. Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies, and cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Let's bow before our God in prayer. Our God and our Father, Lord, we come into your courts this evening with grateful and thankful hearts. How thankful we are that you are God alone. That none can stay your hand or say unto you what doest thou. That your will and your purpose is always accomplished. That you have undertaken to redeem your people. To save them, to to call them out, to preserve them. And in your time glorify them. And nothing can stop that purpose. Father, I pray you let that precious truth, comfort, the hearts of your people, cause us to continue to look to you, continue to trust you, your purpose, your love, your care for your people, no matter what else is going on around us in this world. We're thankful that you're God. We're thankful for your mercy and your grace to sinners. We're thankful that you've given us the gospel of your dear son to preach to our generation to believe. Father, I pray you'd cause that gospel to run well tonight, that it would go forth in the power of thy spirit, Father, that it would bring glory to the name of your Son, that it would call your people to Christ, that you would draw us ever closer to Christ our Savior, to cause us to to depend on him even more fully. Father, we're thankful for this place, a place that you've given us where we can meet together in peace and unity, where the sole object is the glory of Christ our Savior, to see him, to learn of him. Father, we're so thankful. And we pray that you would preserve it and protect it for many years to come, that you'd give us the wisdom to, to take care of this treasure right that you've given to us. And Father, for your people that are in times of trouble, we pray for them. We, we pray you'd undertake on the behalf of your, of your people to heal and to comfort. Father, while they're in the valley, give them a special portion of your presence. If you comfort our hearts with your presence, we're comforted. And we pray that you would deliver as soon as it could be thy will. Now, Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name. the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.
1: amazing grace how sweet the sound that saves No. Hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead. I shall possess within the veil A life of joy and peace The earth shall soon dissolve like snow Sun forbear to shine, but God.
0: Like all those other verses of that song, we don't get to hear too often. That's so good. Now, if you would open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 48, our Lord told Isaiah, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. I believe I have a, a message. This evening there will be a great comfort to those of us who know and trust the Lord. I read through this verse in the in the uh, the message last Wednesday, but I want to come back and, and look at just this one verse in uh, some detail this evening. I titled the message "It's God which fed me." Verse fifteen, Genesis forty-eight, and He blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long and to this day. Now remember, Jacob is on his deathbed. He roused himself up when he heard that uh, Joseph was coming to see him on his deathbed. He's sitting talking to Joseph and his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And you know, when a person is on their deathbed, They're not going to waste time talking about things that are not important. You know, a person knows that they're dying. They want to talk to their loved ones about the most important things that are on their mind. They want to, to talk to them about something that's real, that's important, that's lasting. And they want to say those things so that the most important things don't go unsaid. I guess... uh there's lots of examples of why I'm weird. But I've thought about that. I mean, even when I was a young man, I thought, now what would what would I say to my wife and my children on my deathbed? You know, I want, I want to be able to say something wise and, and good, you know. We know we don't know the day of our death, do we? So my advice is those things that are so important to you, say them now. If it's something special, if something needs to be said, don't let it go unsaid. Say it now. I'm sure it'll be appreciated. I'm sure it will. But now when Jacob is on his deathbed, remember we looked at this son last week, he talks to Joseph about the things that are so important to him. He tells Joseph, now God's blessed us in this place, but don't you set your heart on Egypt. You remember that God has promised to give the land of Canaan to my descendants. Now, don't ever forget that. Egypt is not your home. Sooner or later we're going to, to Canaan. Don't set your your heart on this place. Set your heart on the promised land. Because that's where God's promised to bless us. And he tells Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh. Now you keep looking to the Lord. You keep trusting the Lord. And the way Jacob does that is by telling them. This is what God's done done for me. This is what God's done for me. He can do this for you. You know, David said in, in one psalm, he said, this poor man cried and Lord heard me, saved me out of all my troubles. Now that's who the Lord is. That's, that's what the Lord's like. He answers those that call upon him, saves them out of all of, of their troubles. And I read that and that encourages this sinner to call on the Lord too, doesn't you? And that's what Jacob is doing for his sons. They're sitting there at his bedside. And Jacob tells his son who God is. He said, God is the God before whom Abraham and Isaac walked. Jacob's reminding Joseph. Remember this story of God's promise to to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. This is a a family heirloom. This story's been told so many times, but it's so important. Jacob is reminding Joseph. God's a covenant God. God made a promise To Abraham. He revealed to Abraham. His covenant of grace. And God promised Abraham. That the Messiah. The savior of his people. Is going to come through. Abraham's loins. And by faith. Abraham understood that promise. He understood what God was telling him. By faith our Lord said. Abraham saw my day. And he was glad. By faith. Abraham saw past Isaac, and he saw another miracle child. He saw Mary's virgin-born son, who's the righteousness of God's elect. Abraham saw that by faith. By faith, Abraham saw how that child would be sacrificed as the substitute for the sin of his people, and that made Abraham rejoice you know the thing that made Abraham rejoice all those years ago is what makes us still rejoice today? Now, he didn't see it as clearly as we do because we live on this side of the cross. We see the, the finished work of Christ, but Abraham still saw that and rejoiced. He rejoiced. This is what God promised him. He's going to do it. This is how he's going to accomplish the salvation of his people. And God made a promise to Abraham when Abraham and Sarah They're both childless. Childless. They're both too old to have any children. God promised him he's going to have a son. Now Abraham, he was too old to produce a child and Sarah had already gone through menopause. But the physical weakness of Abraham and Sarah, they didn't stop God from keeping his promise. Isaac, that child of promise, was born when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. Isaac, in whom the seed shall be called. He was born by the power of God. He, not by the power of flesh. This was, this was God's doing. God keeping his promise. And then God confirmed his promise. His promise of the Messiah. He, prom- he confirmed that promise to Isaac. Later on, he confirmed it to Jacob too. And Jacob is reminding his sons, now this is who God is. He's a covenant God. God's made a promise and he's going to keep it. And you trust him. You can trust him. He's trustworthy. Almighty God has a purpose of mercy and grace for his people. He's promised mercy and grace. He's promised to forgive the sin of his people. He's promised to put that sin away by the blood of his son. He's telling them who God is so they'll trust him. He don't want them just, just trusting God, just going through the, the, the motions of religion as long as he's alive. After he's gone, he wants them still trusting the Lord, looking to the Lord, believing on the Lord. You know, that's what preaching is. You know, we tell people who Christ is and who God is from his word so people will trust him. That's why we preach and tell who, who he is. That's what Jacob's doing here. And then he tells them the God which fed me All my life long to this day. Now that's God. This word fed. It's a a rich word. I had intended to cover several verses tonight. But I got on that word fed. And started writing out notes. So I got to quit. I'm out of time. This is a rich word. Fed. God which fed me. It means a whole lot more. than give me something to eat. It means to shepherd me. God has shepherded me my whole life long. It means to rule over me. God has ruled me my whole life long. It means to teach me. I was born not knowing nothing, but God taught me. He taught me. It means to be associated with me. Jacob knows what kind of man he is. He knows he's a cheat. He knows he's a scoundrel. And he said God condescended to associate with me. And then this word fed means to be a special friend to me. Now there's a lot there in there. Well, what does it mean to you if God is the one who has fed you? He's fed you up to to this day. He's going to feed you the rest of your days. What does that mean to you? Well, the Lord has fed me, Jacob said. He rules over me. He rules over everything. Everything in his creation, he has ruled over everything that has impacted my life. He's ruled over everything that I do. The Lord has ruled me and I'm so glad because if the Lord didn't rule me, you know what I'd do? I'd wander off from him, but he's ruled me so that I can't leave him. He's ruled me and kept me from doing so many things that I wanted to do that would have been bad for me. He's ruled over me and stopped me from being my own worst enemy. You know, we should remember this. You know, there are times that we have things that we want to do, things we have planned to do, and the Lord stops us from doing it. And we need to remember that's best for us. Whether I see it, whether I understand it or not, that's best for us. And God does that for his people because he rules them. If you trust the Lord, you're not going through this thing of life on your own. It's not just bouncing haphazardly through creation. God's ruling you. He's ruling you. Then the Lord has fed me. He taught me. The Lord has been my teacher. Now, you know how you can tell if the Lord's been your teacher? The Savior said, All who have been taught of the Father come unto me. If God's taught you, you come to Christ. If God's the one that's taught you, you've come begging Him for mercy. You come trusting Him. The only reason I trust the Lord is the Lord taught me who He is. That's why. The only reason I know anything about anything is the Lord taught me. And this is, He's taught me all my life long, Jacob says. Now you ask Him to be your teacher too, because that's the only way you're going to know anything. You know, Jacob can tell his sons. A preacher can tell tell folks who Christ is and tell them who, who God is and what God's done. But I'm telling you, unless God's your teacher, you're not going to learn it. You're not going to know it in the heart. Ask God to be your teacher. He teaches his people. And if the Lord has fed you, he's associated with you. I spent a long time just thinking about that yesterday. The holy God of heaven and earth, who is the opposite of me in every single way, has associated himself with me. He's associated himself with sinners like us. You know, God calls himself the God of Jacob 25 times in scripture. The God of Jacob. Almighty God associates himself with people like Jacob. And God didn't just do that for Jacob. He does it for all of his Jacobs. He does it for all of his people. The Son of God was born as a man. The Son of God came in our flesh. Bone of our bone. Flesh of our flesh. He came in our nature. I mean what a miracle that is. Yet without sin. Christ came and associated himself with his people. He lived with them. He Touched them. He ate with them. He, he was with them. He identifies himself with his people. He became flesh so that he could be so associated with his people, he'd be one with them. So he could take their sin and by his substitutionary death, put their sin away as their substitute, as their sacrifice. God became a man so that he could die For his people. That's the most amazing story ever told. And there's something that just grips my heart there. This. The gospel. The sacrifice of Christ. The redemption of his people. This is not. uh, Just a. I don't even know the right word. a, A forensic legal. You know just cold dead legal documents. You know. There's love involved in this thing. There's emotion. He associated himself with his people. He made the farthest, the longest journey that's ever been made for the Son of God to become a man so he could save his people. I'm telling you, that's somebody I can trust. Isn't it you? And then if the Lord has fed you, The Lord is your special friend. It's just exactly what I said a second ago. Christ didn't just come to pay the redemption price for his people. Just like, you know, this is a legal thing. we got to get done. It's stamp paid. And, you know, we're done with it. There's so many of them. You know, I'll never see them. I'll never think of them, you know, but their debt is paid. No, 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 no. He came in the flesh to be the special friend of his people as a friend of his people, he suffered and died for them on purpose with their name written on his heart to put away their sin. And those chapters were the, the Lord's alone with his disciples before he goes to the cross and he's, he's talking to them. This is family talk. He's just talking to them alone. In John 15 verse 13, he told them this, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for his friends. Just like Abraham was called the friend of God. If Christ died for you, you're the friend of God. He's your friend. Christ is a friend who will stay with you your whole life long and he'll never unfriend you. In times of trial, in times of difficulty, you can bank on him. You can bank on him. Solomon said in Proverbs 17, verse 17, there's a friend that loveth, or a friend loveth at all times. A brother is born for adversity. That's Christ our friend. Christ our older brother, he was born for adversity. So he could put away the sin of his people. So he would be with his people in every Trial In every bit of adversity, just like he was with those three Hebrew children in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, fiery furnace. He's with his people. Solomon went on, Proverbs 18, verse 24. He said, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. Now that can only be talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Sticks closer than a brother. He's such a friend. Christ is the friend. Who talks to the hearts of his people. And he reveals to them. That he's the savior. He reveals to them who he is. And how he saves his people. In Exodus 33 verse 11. The Lord spake unto Moses. Face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. Now. Now. We just can't help but think. Whew, I'd like to have seen that. I'd like to have been there when you. Listen to me. If you trust Christ. He has spoken to you face to face. He's spoken to your heart. And told you the exact same thing he told Moses in that conversation. The Lord told Moses and talked to him about redemption. He talked to him about salvation. He talked to him as a friend. This is how God's going to save his people from their sin. And he does that for all of his friends. Not just Moses, but all of them. And Christ is the friend who gives life to his people. You all are my friends. You're my friends. And one of you is hurting. Oh, I hurt. I hurt. I just... I want to do something to to make it better. And it's just, feels very futile, doesn't it? Christ is a friend who never feels like that. He gives life to his people. In John 11, verse 11, our Lord told his disciples, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may wake him out of sleep. And our Lord went to the tomb of his friend and cried, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot. (laughs) And the Lord said, loose him and let him go. That's what he does for all of his friends. He gives them life. Christ is the savior of his people. He's the sovereign over over everyone, but especially how he is the sovereign over his people. Christ is not separate from his people. He's near to them. He's near to his people. He has a close, loving relationship with his people. It's a loving relationship. Song of Solomon 5, verse 16, the bride is describing the bridegroom. And she said, his mouth is most sweet. He's altogether lovely. This is my beloved. And this is my friend. This is my friend. It's no wonder we say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, he's a friend. And then last, this word fed means shepherded. You know, very often in scripture, the Savior is described as our shepherd. So many of the the Old Testament patriarchs were shepherds as pictures of Christ. Abraham, Abel, he was a shepherd. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, these men were all shepherds as pictures of Christ our Savior. And I want to take just a few more minutes and look at what a blessing it is if Christ is your shepherd. First, look at Psalm 80. The shepherd, that's not just an occupation that our Savior has. It's his very name. Christ our shepherd will save his people from their sins. Look at Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You see that S is capitalized in it. That's somebody's name. That's the name of the, he's the shepherd. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up thy strength and come and save us. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. You know, David, I think, finds it very interesting here. He mentions all three of the men who are beside Jacob at his bedside, Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And Jacob's blessing was, the Lord's going to bless the lads. And boy, he did, didn't he? Much more than just making a, a... a mighty nation, tribe out of each one of them. He saved these men from their sin. And when they died, he brought them straight into his presence. Now, that's what the shepherd does for all of his people. I'm telling you, if Christ our shepherd turns us, we're going to be turned. And I know where we're going to be turned. We're going to be turned to Christ, aren't we? Turned away from our idols and turned to him. If Christ our shepherd saves us, we shall be saved. I mean, plumb saved. Now that's the shepherd I want shepherd to me and you. He? he saves his people from their sin. Now look over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Here's the second thing, second blessing. Christ our shepherd fastens his people so that they will not be moved. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Not only is Christ our shepherd, he's the master carpenter. He's the one that has these these nails that are, that are given to fasten his people. And the nails are the words the words of the wise it's the word of god that that's those nails if you trust christ every once in a while this is your fear how do i know i won't leave you what's going to keep me and the, the i tell you when we worry about that is when we look at ourselves we look at the strength of our faith we look at the you know how committed we are or something And we think, you know, that could waver. Maybe someday I could leave. How do you know you won't leave Christ? Because the shepherd fastens us to him. Let me give you some nails he's given that will fasten us to Christ. Here's a nail that must be in every message we preach. God's sovereign. He sovereignly reigns over everything. He does according to His will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, "What doest Thou?" God Almighty Sovereign, and there is nothing that that moves, that wriggles, that flies, that squirms, that does anything in God's creation that He's not in control of it. Now let's nail that down. So we'll come and beg the Sovereign for mercy. It's His to give, isn't it? He said. The Sovereign said, "I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy." Then Sean, I'm gonna go ask and have mercy on me. He's the sovereign. He can give it. Here's another nail. Now, this has to be in every message we preach. Man is ruined in sin. When Adam fell, we're ruined. We can't be fixed up. We're ruined. Now let's nail that down. You and I are ruined in sin. Ruined. And since we're ruined, we can't do anything to help God save us. God's not going to bless us because of something that we do. We're, we're ruined. We can't do something that's going to please God like that. Man is ruined in sin. Now let's nail that down. If I understand, I'm ruined in sin. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to beg for the forgiveness of sin. Somebody else has got to do it for me because I can't do it myself. Here's a nail. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. He saves sinners. He came to die for sinners. Now let's nail that down. If that is fastened in us, that Christ is the savior of sinners, you know what sinners are going to do? Lord, save me. Save me. Here's a nail. Salvation is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. From its beginning to its ending and everywhere in between, salvation is of the Lord. It's all of the Lord's will. It's all of the Lord's purpose. It's all of the Lord's doing. It's all of the Lord's application. It's all of the Lord's preserving power. It's all of him. I can't do one thing to add to that. He must do all of the saving for me or I will perish. Let's nail that down so that men will seek Christ. Salvations of the Lord. That's how I know I won't be moved. God's given us his word to nail us to Christ so we won't leave him. All right, third, look at the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13. Christ, our shepherd, will be the substitute for his people. Zechariah 13. In verse six. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, Against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, And I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass, that in all the land, saith the Lord, Two parts therein shall be cut off and die, But the third shall be left therein. There's a remnant a remnant according to the election of grace. And I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it's my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now those shepherds we talked about earlier, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, they all protected their sheep, didn't they? David talked about killing a, a bear, killing a, a lion, you know, with his, his bare hands. I mean, these men just—they're fierce. How they protected their their sheep—they're fierce, but they're also careful with the sheep. They they take them to, to different pastures so they got plenty of green grass to eat. They lead their sheep where there's water, so they have plenty to drink. If those sheep get hurt, they doctor them. They just would bandage them up and doctor them, take care of them, you know, To they keep the sheep from wandering off into danger. Well, that's what Christ, our shepherd, does. The great shepherd of the sheep, he does that for all of his sheep. But the way Christ, our shepherd, saves his sheep, it's not like that he goes out there and fights the, the lion and fights the bear and he kills them and he stands victorious over them like David did. Christ, our shepherd, gives life to his sheep by dying. He died in the place of his sheep so that they could have life. When verse 6 here says, What are these wounds in thine hands? And he, he, and, uh, he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. That's the Savior. He came into his own. His own received him not. He came as a Jew and the Jews rejected the Savior. They hated him from the beginning. They plotted and planned and schemed and lied and did everything that they could do to get him crucified. Christ came as the friend of sinners and they rejected him. Now, I know they did that because that was God's will. It was God's will that Christ be sacrificed. He be crucified on a cross for the sin of his people. And that physical suffering just absolutely unimaginable. But you want to know, he suffered even worse than that. Our shepherd suffered when the father plunged the sword of justice into the heart, he says here, of my fellow. The shepherd is my fellow, my own son, and the father plunged the sword of justice into the heart of his son. And By Christ's death, God's justice is satisfied. God put that sword of justice back into its sheath. And that sword, the sword of God's justice, will never leave its sheath again against any of God's elect because the shepherd died in our place. But the shepherd rose again, didn't he? He rose again, and he's the one that's going to make sure all of his sheep come to himself so that they all say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my God. He shepherded me all my life long, just like he did for Jacob. If you look over in John chapter 10, that's what the Lord said he'd do. John 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. They know him, they know his voice, and he leads them out. Don't, Don't miss that. He leads them out. He leads them out. Every step they take, he took first because he's leading them out, watching out for them, caring for them. Look at verse 11 or verse 10. The thief came not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's how he's going to give this abundant life to his sheep by giving his life suffering and dying in their place so that they can live verse 13 he said the hireling fleeth because he's an hireling careth not for the sheep i'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the father knoweth me even so know i the father and i lay down my life for the sheep he just keeps saying that over and over and over again the shepherd's going to die for his sheep so that they can live and other sheep i have which are not of this fold them also I must bring, and they should hear my voice, and there should be one fold and one shepherd. Now the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, that's us. We're part of those other sheep. From the description of this shepherd, do you have any doubt he's going to fail to go get his all those sheep and bring them into one fold? He'll have every one of them on him. Oh that's the shepherd I want. Now in closing, look look back at Psalm 23. You cannot talk about Christ, our shepherd, without thinking about Psalm 23, the psalm of the shepherd. Here's the fourth thing. If Christ is your shepherd, he is everything you'll ever need. Not just he'll give you everything you ever need. He is everything that you'll ever need. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. And since the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not mourn. The Lord is my shepherd. He knows me by name. He calls me by name. He saves me. He keeps me. I belong to him. He calls me by name and I know him. I know him. I know his voice and I follow him. I'm the sheep and he is my shepherd. The shepherd who has total control over me all the care of everything that i am is in his hands he's my shepherd and since i belong to him i shall not want i won't want for anything that i need verse two i shall not want for rest because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures i shall not want for peace he leadeth me beside still waters not raging white waters, still peaceful waters. Verse three, I shall not want for life. He restoreth my soul. I shall not want for righteousness. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not only is he going to lead me in paths of righteousness, He going to make me righteous. He is my righteousness. As I go through this life, I shall not want for comfort. I shall not want for grace sufficient for any trial or trouble. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I'm not saying there's not evil there, so I won't fear it. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. God, He's going to comfort my heart everywhere that he leads me. I shall not want for calmness in the face of my enemy. Verse five says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I like war movies. I like watching uh, the, the most, you know, r- realistic ones. Big, much of my wife's chagrin. A huge band of brothers fan. I mean, I don't care if I have channels, if it's on, Frank's watching it. I mean, i and when they were there in the Battle of the Bulge, especially, I mean, they're under attack. I mean, just see, it's constant. And you know, one thing those men—I never saw them. And you know, the, the the men who were actually there talked to the to the actors, you know, doing that that movie and, and telling them what it was really like. And you know, one thing I never saw them do—I never saw them prop their feet up on and on a table and just sit and eat. You know, have have nice. A, a tablecloth, and somebody's you know carrying them food and, and wine and water, and they're they're hunkered down in a hole in the ground eating K rations that you know that are frozen. David's talking about sitting calmly at a table in the presence of my enemies. I shall not want for calmness. The Lord has ever just calmed your heart. Now, I'm not saying that the storm still not raging. He just says, peace, be still. I'll not want for calmness. I shall not want for the Holy Spirit. He says, for thou anointest my head with oil. I'll not want for any blessing of God. I'm not going to have to try to save him up because I'm afraid I'm going to run out because my cup runneth over. I shall not want for mercy for my sin, Verse 6 says, surely, without a doubt, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not want for an eternal home. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm never going to find myself in want of the presence of the shepherd because I'm going to dwell in his house. I want to be with him forever. Now, that's the shepherd I want. That's a shepherd that I can trust. And we're blessed, aren't we? If that shepherd's the one that's fed us. All right. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we're thankful for this time you've given us together to open your word and and read of Christ who's fed us, who's shepherded us all the days of our life. Father, how we thank you for such a savior. How we thank you for your unspeakable love and mercy and pity to weak dead sinners like we are. That you would send your son to be associated with the likes of us so that he could put our sin away and make us just like him. What a miracle. Father, we're so thankful. And how I pray you take your word as it's been preach tonight and father cause each heart here tonight to see by faith the glory of christ our shepherd and to trust him to rest in him to find joy and calmness and peace for our hearts in trusting him father it's in his great name for his name's sake for the glory of his name we pray amen all right sean